1: preparation for 2023 fantasy football drafts that's what we're talking about on today's Rotoviz ot we had a listener question to come in around some stacking options we're going to get into that in a moment and, and talk through that i'm interested to get sean's thoughts we also are going to talk some of the first round options and maybe what our preferred spot is when we're drafting and those first 12 picks who we would like to have so i'm excited And lots of storylines that have happened over the the last couple of weeks in the nfl that we may list through our conversations here today. Yeah, I'm excited for it. We have done quite a bit of free agency content recently. We
2: are hip deep in the Dynasty Reanimators series, and that's been a lot of fun and also a listener favorite. So Colin, I can't wait to get back to that later in the week. And as we go through this just extremely exciting month leading up to the 2023 NFL draft, we did a an FFPC listener league draft. Before you went on vacation, that was a lot of fun. We had 11 of our hardcore OT fanatics in that one. You look at the top of the board here in terms of ADP, you see exciting names like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. I think we've been predicting for a while that those guys would be the players at the top of the 2023 board. It is wide receiver heavy now. People have finally arrived. We know that 0RB1 the one million dollar regular season prize last year congratulations again to king cap on that just a a fantastic outcome and now that zero rb has taken down one of the biggest prizes in the history of fantasy football maybe that makes it a little bit easier for some skeptical drafters to jump in but colin we don't
1: need any convincing yeah, I don't think we need any convincing. And you mentioned, you know, skeptical drafters. I think there's going to be pushback, Sean. I think there's always going to be the people who, who do want to get on board and, you know, say it's a once-off or say for whatever different uh, excuses. But yeah, shout out to King Cap, as you mentioned. One of the questions, Sean, that did come in over the last couple of days is around mainly redraft, but it really fits in when we're looking at basketball too. And that is one side of it is correlation and the other side of it is stacking offenses together. Now, it's very hard if you're talking about you know correlation in terms of last year when we get to knowing where some of these rookies land we know the entire fixture set schedule you can go ahead and try and correlate those week 17 games for example but that isn't going to be really possible at this time of the year with a, a number of the, the scenarios that we'll be talking through but in terms of redraft our best ball because i think you know they're, they're getting closer and closer to the strategy wise to what people are trying to do how are you on stacking at this point? I know it was something that we talked in some of these ball tournaments a couple of years ago, and you mentioned that it may not be as important as, as some people will make it out to be. But I think it's beneficial if you can make it work and that the players are at the correct prices and you can link link those in together. But what what's your thoughts entering 2023 on the importance or, or the lack thereof in uh, stacking on your, your best ball rosters or your redraft rosters?
2: Yeah, this is an interesting one because you can pull up the Rotoviz underdog advanced rate explorer and mess around with just a crazy amount of information. And one of the things that you can explore in that tool is stacking using, not surprisingly, the stacking explorer. And you will see for 2022 that this combination of QB and wide receiver was very effective in terms of getting drafters through. We also know that Patton winning the $2 million in the final week there has this sort of sneaky stack slash correlation play where he's going with that Buccaneers Panthers game gets the monster performance from Tom Brady. Uh, Perhaps surprisingly, has Chris Godwin not the big scorer in that game? That would be Mike Evans, obviously, because Evans is not going to have advanced nearly as many teams through. You don't have that guy being the winner. And I I think that most people, when they look at that, they're going to say, okay, well, it must have been a Brady and Evans then with DJ Moore, which was also in the mix there, that made that work, and yet it wasn't. So one of the things that you really are coming back to is that it's Tom Brady who got that done. And then you do have it pulling DJ Moore through a little bit. And that was one of the games where the Panthers were actually able to get him some points and they compete in that shootout. So you're going to see some potential benefits there. We also are going to have the thing where you look back at the team that won and say, well, it worked in this case. And so we want to chase that. The thing that I just always recommend to drafters is to don't give away a ton of points in order to force some of these elements onto your teams, especially if you're not going to be playing hundreds of teams, that type of approach is going to work the best for drafters who have massive, massive portfolios and can afford to force a lot of those on individual teams because they're going to get all of the different players. They're going to get all the different players at decent prices as they work through and have this built out and have just so much depth of preparation for it. If you're going to be drafting five, 10 teams then you want to be much more careful in terms of making sure you're getting good values and making sure you're getting the players that you want. You want to build a team like King Captain, and not to say that he didn't use some of those elements as well, but you want to build a superpower as opposed to building a very fragile team with some of those elements mixed in. And then especially once we take it to redraft, where you're looking at in most cases beating a league with 11 other players, You're not necessarily looking for week 17 and how can we have a team that scores in, you know, the 99.9 percentile to win a contest that has half a million participants. We're trying to figure out how to win a league that has 11 players and 11 other players besides yourself. And so the key there is, again, to build the best team that you can. There may be quite a few cases where you have an undervalued QB target. One of the things that, again, pops out with Pat's victory there, and also with King Cap's just power team, is that you have so much talk about these very, very top guys and you know how much do you want to pay for Josh Allen, how much do you want to pay for Patrick Mahomes. The guys who dominated in the power team for King Cap were Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow two of the three players that we really strongly argued for in the QB window. And then Tom Brady is actually a guy who's at the very back of the QB window and is more this passing matchup guy where, you know, you're hoping that the combination of Brady with a Godwin or Evans is going to blow up and win you the tournament. But you're also just kind of hoping that Tom Brady had scored more points throughout the course of the season, right? So as I'm looking at these teams and team construction, one of the things that, I would encourage people to at least consider at the QB position, and then that has obviously cascade effects as you work down through what some of these stacks and correlation plays are going to look like, would be to, again, not force it, but consider taking an inexpensive run-oriented QB, ideally in the window, and then to pair them with one of these less expensive pass-oriented QBs where... The overall win rate and advance rate probably isn't going to be through the roof. The overall scoring level is probably not going to be through the roof, but they can work in concert with that Konami code QB to get to that point and then create options, create pathways for in the key moments to have a big score with that QB and the receiver. One of the other players who just in an ideal world would have been an absolute monster last year. And again, you're talking about somebody who's at the back end of the QB window would have been Tua and you have Tua with Tyree kill Tua with Jalen Waddle. I'm an absolutely fantastic play there. The unfortunate thing. And one of the things that was a big storyline in 2022 and a very frustrating storyline was just the extreme rate of QB injuries and how that took out so many of the cool plays that's something I'm looking at for 2023. It's something that I'll be writing about at some length as we kind of go through the process. Yeah, you want to set your team up to have these avenues to really, really high scores. Just call them as you mentioned it. It is important to not cannibalize the value of your roster as you're going through and doing that. And, And that's important too, just in terms of a mental flexibility perspective as you prepare and as you execute the draft. Try not to get too locked into things like that. And then there are other things you're also trying to not get too locked into. We talk about structure and having that limit you as opposed to amplify your good decisions. That mental flexibility as you go through the drafts, that's always the key. Where would you like to be as we look at this first round? And obviously, it's not just the first round. It's where you end up with your selection in the second round. And... I get kind of the flexibility that you get. You'd love to get Justin Jefferson. You'd love to get Jamar Chase. And yet, if you're in the middle of the draft, not only have we historically seen very high win rates through there, but you're able to get falling values. You don't have to be as worried that you're going to be hit by a positional run as you are at the corners. And yet, Cullen, I, I do have to say that throughout the years of drafting, and you know, it's about 15 of those years playing high stakes at this point it's crazy to think that the first tournament that i entered back in 2008 was was back that long ago 2008 not not just the other day at this point but thinking through all of those thousands of drafts i i like to be at the turn and be able to make two picks at once it feels like when you have those two selections you can't really put pressure on your opponents because They still have all the rest of the players to choose from. But getting to grab two guys, that part is fun. It does make it a little bit easier to record because then you have all the way back around to discuss what people are doing, your own selections, that type of thing. And yet, probably not the strongest positions, especially when we think about position 11, position 12. Although I think, Colin, maybe one of the things I'm the most proud of with site content over the past couple of years is that we've done several articles looking at what you can do out of 11, what you can do out of 12, bringing in multiple tools from the site, looking at Blair's Win the Flex tool, looking at the SIM score tools, the range of outcome tool that Dave Kavan does such a nice job putting together and discussing what you need to do. We can look at the Best Ball Win Rate Explorer and see what mistakes people are making, how we can avoid those get like a little bit of an advertisement for the tools there because when you put two or three tools together and really focus them on a specific and important question, they have some incredible answers for you.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data,
2: but how, where would you like to be here who, who do you not have so far early on in 2023 that we would have a, a great first round draft slot to go ahead and go get
1: well any of the drafts sean that i've done so far have been uh we've recorded them so they've kind of all been with you so we've uh, not done a huge amount from that perspective uh in terms of volume this year on my side when i'm looking at the options though here particularly at underdog it feels like as much as i want to have either justin jefferson or jamar chase i'm kind of feel like quite happy if i'm in that like six seven eight range because you are going to get a you know a pretty high level player unless you're at one or two i think then you know the christian mccaffrey all the way down to say stefan diggs in terms of adp here with cup held kelsey diggs I, i think there's a lot of interesting names and then if you are picking Further back towards the end of the the round, there's more chance that that second player that you pick up is also going to be of a you know a higher standard as you would expect with it being a higher ADP. But I'm kind of I, I know as we do more drafts, I'll want to get some of the the one hundred ones, one hundred twos. But I, I'm kind of I'm quite comfortable if we if we're in that seven eight kind of range with you know our boy AJ Brown there, Devontae Adams, CD Lamb, Jonathan Taylor, Bijan Robinson, even Saquon Barkley. You know, I'd be I'd be happy to get. To get two of that list rather than to, to just go on and, and get the 101-102 the and, and see who's there at the, the 2 three turn. How are, you, how are you feeling at this point?
2: Well, I mean, I'd love to get Justin Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, we would obviously love so, that. But it's that kind that of like, do you, of
1: do you feel do you feel how I mentioned, if it's not the 101 or the 102, there isn't as much of a, a tear break really then, I'd, I don't think, to maybe early second round? Yeah, I, I have it pretty flat. I mean, Garrett Wilson... Jalen
2: Waddell, those guys have ADPs around 15, around 18. I mean, you wouldn't want to take them in the first round, and yet there's an extremely high likelihood that they're going to score with a Stephon Diggs, score with an A.J. Brown, probably outscore Devontae Adams. So uh, from that perspective, if you can get the foundation running back and then grab a lot of those guys, one of the things that we see, though, in 2023, and the year of the wide receiver avalanche, and the year where people have tumbled to the fact that you have to have that wide receiver core to start these drafts, even if you're not as excited about some of the possibilities for first round wide receiver, even someone like Cooper Cup, who is still a no brainer. When you have a guy who is older, who probably wasn't the best athlete in the NFL to start with. Has had some injuries, even though they should be in no way debilitating injuries. But I mean, you think about some of the guys, you know, in recent history who had injuries that didn't seem necessarily that debilitating me. David Johnson didn't seem like he was going to be done. Michael Thomas didn't seem like he was going to be done. You know, you have flukes in both directions. You have some of these guys who come back and have astonishing recovery from injury. And then you have situations that seem like they wouldn't be much and do Create a problem. And then with Cooper Cup, obviously, you have the Matthew Stafford situation on top of that. Colin, when we do our Dynasty Reanimator episode coming up later in the week, we have a big trait that we were able to execute. We got a, a good offer. We accepted that offer as opposed to countering it. does take us further into the Sam Howell 100% Let's roster ship club. And so. You always like that. But Matthew Stafford, a little bit of risk. I think that he's going to have a good season. Tyree Kill, the next wide receiver there, I think he's going to have a fantastic season. We mentioned Tua. Tua, probably the best value in fantasy drafts of any player right now, and yet a lot of that value comes from the fact that there is some risk there. When you think about someone like a Brandon Cooks, who a couple of years ago looked like his career probably was over or was at least on the brink and then just so thankfully he's been able to avoid those concussions or at least apparently avoid the concussions for a really long stretch now and so you're hoping that Brandon Cooks can stay healthy can play well for the Cowboys can make it through the rest of his career without any other head injuries obviously we're rooting the same thing for Tua if he stays healthy his value pretty crazy you look at Stefan Diggs I mean, I I love Stefan Diggs, but this price doesn't seem to consider how his season ended and the threat of a DeAndre Hopkins being added. My personal preference column, I I don't think it's any surprise that when you look at him, you look at where he is in his career, you look at some of the contract issues and you're thinking, well, who's going to be most interested in DeAndre Hopkins? Well, it's all 32 teams. But (laughs) the fact that The Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, two of the teams linked to him, there's no surprise there. Now, the unfortunate thing is that the Chiefs are going to be always butting up against the salary cap because they do spend intelligently to the limit in order to fill that team out around Patrick Mahomes with his contract and with the fact that they have multiple other superstars. You have Travis Kelsey, you have actually some of the best defensive players, In the NFL, you're working to build that offensive line. So they're gonna always be up against the limit. And yet you look at that and you're thinking, I mean, there's gonna be a little bit of negotiating stance in there. The longer he stays out there, the more time it gives Kennedy City a chance to figure out a way to either negotiate with him something that would work, to restructure a few contracts to make it work. Anyway, this is just more that people already know, which is that I love DeAndre Hopkins and. Obviously, I'm from Kansas City. So if they could make that match, that would be, well, That would just be so exciting. But you do have the connection here between the Bills and DeAndre Hopkins. That's going to crush Gabe Davis's value, at least in the short term. It probably should have a little bit of effect on Stephon Diggs. With A.J. Brown, you have the, the run-oriented offense. With Devontae Adams, you have... don't know if we have a qb downgrade there are all kinds of advanced stats surrounding jimmy garoppolo that are at least encouraging and blair andrews has a fantastic article on him up on the site looking at his move to the las vegas raiders and yet i mean jimmy garoppolo is not a star he's not Devontae adams college teammate they move darren waller they bring in jacoby myers i mean this is a little rich for Devontae adams wouldn't you say
1: I'd, I know what, we all know what Devonta Adams can do. I, I think that, I feel like Devonta Adams is quarterback proof at this point. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter who's going to be there. And I, I know you like Derek Carr and I know I, I'm not the biggest fan of Jimmy G, but I, I also think it's probably close to a, you know, fair quarterback swap there in terms of um, what he's going to get. So I think we'll get the targets and I think we'll get the volume and that's probably going to be enough to get Devontae Adams over the line. I do feel again, the one thing I'm a little less comfortable with when it comes to the wide receivers in terms of their ADP this year is the amount of veteran wide receivers and that, you know, kind of top eight of the wide receivers. And I mean, veteran by, you know, (laughs) over 30 or approaching 30. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. These, some of these guys aren't that much, uh, younger than deandre hopkins as we move forward here so that will be my one concern is we do think we're going to see these guys continue the elite level play for multiple more years but there's also that possibility with the quarterback change maybe that rapport isn't as good as i'm saying in terms of being quarterback proof and and maybe we do see those numbers drop quite drastically when you're wide receiver seven going in the the back end of the first round for Devontae adams here i think similar to what you mentioned with with stefan diggs it, it does have a number of risks around it and if we're talking about you know when we look at running backs we talk about the risks around them i, I do think there is risks around the the veteran wide receivers going here uh in the first round and that is one of the other reasons why if you can get jefferson or, or chase and not first or second pick it obviously gives you an edge there that you don't have to to worry about it but we are looking at you know Diggs is there Hill is there um adams is there there's just there's a, a cup is there a lot of a lot of veterans in that range so bodies start to break down as people age and so on and so forth. And hopefully that isn't the case, but yeah, definitely have have some concern, Sean.
2: And you mentioned the age, and I think that a lot of times listeners are going to think that maybe there's too much emphasis on that, especially too much emphasis in redraft. That feels a little bit more the case after a season like 2022, where most of the players who were relied upon early, they came through. And we didn't see a lot of people falling off the cliff from these early draft slots. Now, you do have a decline for Dalvin Cook. You have a decline from Alvin Kamara that is in some ways a little bit more contextual than it does appear to be age-related because his actual performance was still fantastic. I think especially after you have a season that creates a little bit of a more aggressive narrative in a certain direction that you want to be very careful about chasing that you've got to continue to look at a bigger picture what are the three-year trends what are the five-year trends what are the 10-year trends you know sifting out things that are very clearly changed in terms of how the nfl calls plays how fantasy players score points you have to understand the way things are changing and not ignore those but when you're looking at something like an age-related element for players, you want to look at what the risks are there. And you prefer to be out on a player a year early as opposed to a year late, unless that player is already being discounted because of a perceived risk. Devontae Adams being drafted with an ADP around 10, I mean, you could claim that there probably is a little bit of an age-related discount there because he was so dynamic last season. We pull up the weekly tool and you look at where he is, In terms of leading the NFL with 14 touchdowns, he has 1,400 yards. He has over 2,000 air yards, one of only a couple of receivers to do that. And so you're looking at a player who came through at a very high level last season. Maybe that's already appropriately factored in. When you have someone with a 33% target share, my thought here would be the next player drafted is a cd lamb a player who gets up there with nine touchdowns has 1,359 yards 29 percent target share he has that target depth of just over 10 that puts you in that range where you're an all-around player has almost 500 yards after the catch so you have a before catch dynamo you have an after the catch strength you have a rising player who. Anybody could get hurt, but you're not going to have an age-based collapse with a CD lamb. You have now Brandon Cooks there who could siphon some targets, but when you look at where they were last season and how weak they were at the other receiving positions, and when you look at Dalton Schultz moving on and not being there as the safety blanket, I would suggest that the main thing that's going to happen with a CD lamb is, Is that Brandon Cooks is going to limit a little bit of that defensive attention, make it so it's a little bit more difficult to run gimmick defenses, a little bit more difficult to have constant double teams, as long as you retain some of the creativity in the offense. mean lamb should do well now there is some concern too when you look at the change of the play color there i think that that's more likely to hurt the overall offense than it is to hurt cd lamb specifically
1: so thanks Sean. that was a fun discussion around both we started off on the the stacking and correlation discussion then we moved into the first round options here in 2023 on underdogfantasy.com we will be doing a draft in the Little Board, which is available over at Underdog Fantasy. Once again, if you are signing up, you can use the code RotoViz to get yourself a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100. Hopefully, you'll have some fun doing the drafts, and hopefully, you're going to have some fun listening to us draft. That is going to be the Wednesday edition of the RotoViz Overtime Podcast. Sean, as we get ready to finish up today's show, any other thoughts to to share with the, the OT community? just wanted to
2: throw out again that we appreciate so much the feedback and the engagement on the Dynasty Reanimator series. Check some of those episodes out. Send us your questions. We've got multiple questions that are out there simmering that we are going to use for content coming up. There are orphan teams out there that you can go purchase. We're going to have so much content on the draft. And on other dynasty elements over the next month so make sure you head on over and you know get yourself that month-long subscription if you just want to try it out for a limited period of time see what it has part two or i should say volume two of the road rookie guide is out there right now we had an absolute blast putting that together it has advanced stats and how to think about the numbers that matter the stats that matter at Different positions, and then it has multiple mock drafts, it has our rookie rankings. So that was a lot of fun. That's available. I Colin, this is just such a great time of year. As free agency has calmed down a little bit, you get a chance to breathe just a tad bit, and yet at the same time, there are so many different types of elements going on. We're enjoying all of those over at the site, we're enjoying them on the shows. And yeah, I,
1: I can't wait to do this underdog draft. We'll we'll see people back here soon. Yeah, and you mentioned some of the feedback from the the road His OT community. I have to say, over the last kind of, I would say, maybe two months, the season has obviously died down. People maybe aren't as invested in the the teams, and more so they're listening to the content and you know giving questions, giving feedback. And we've answered some of those questions. We have some simmering, as you mentioned, but it has been tremendous to interact with. The listeners of the show and you know to, to hear that you know they were delighted that the question might have been answered while they're driving to work for example and they've got to listen in so things like that when we record this sean you're not you're in arizona i'm over here in ireland we're talking to each other over streaming service and you know sometimes you don't think about the the back end where people are listening and people are are getting the enjoyment out of listening so uh, we do want to say that we appreciate each and every one of you and uh, having those interactions over the last couple of uh, months and over the last couple of years and in, in all honesty but it, it seems to have ramped up and increased in volume over the, the last couple of months Which, sean that's probably good in terms of uh, people listening to the show so thanks to everyone tuning in we will be back on wednesday with another episode of rotavis ot when we are drafting over at underdog so you'll hear who we are making those selections we talked through some of the options today and until we are back then have a good one